Well, greetings to each of you and welcome back to The Shakedown, a podcast about corrections, for corrections, and by corrections. I'm your host, Ordinary Dawson. Good to be back with you again. Uh, before we jump into the topic uh, for this week, I just want to remind each of you uh, that the uh, class that Nigel offers, the elite uh, class, I have the privilege and the opportunity uh, to participate in the uh, second uh, elite class. I will tell you, it was an awesome experience uh, to be able to spend time with a, a room full of people that were doing the same thing that I was doing, serving as an administrator in a correctional facility, and to uh, not just be trained, but also to interact with these other administrators from all over the country and, and realize the things that, that I'm dealing with, <laughs> they're dealing with, and listen to different ideas and different ways of approaching things. It was an awesome, awesome experience. Um, Elite Class 4 uh, will be held September 25th through 29th. Uh, you can check that out on the Nigel website at jailtraining.org and get all the specifics about that. So if you're an administrator, uh, uh, serving as an administrator in a correctional facility, you need to check that out at jailtraining.org. Uh, as always, if there's any questions, uh, any thoughts, any information you want to shoot to us here at the podcast, you can uh, you can email us at uh, shakedown at jailtraining.org. But now, uh, back to uh, what we're talking about uh, this week. Remember last week and talking about how our job uh, can become a constant source of negativity and make us very cynical if we're not careful. And one of the things we said was, is uh, how do we combat that is, is to find the positive proactively. Look for things that are positive. Proactively look for them. Well, I'm really excited about this, this series of, of episodes that we're going to have over the next few weeks because I want to focus on some positive things uh, that are going on uh, in the country, in the world of jails. And so this week we're featuring the Grand County Sheriff's Office in Hot Sulphur Springs, Colorado. Uh, in Colorado, there's a state uh, program called the Jail-Based Behavioral Services Program. Uh, it offers uh, mental health and substance abuse help to those that, that need it, uh, does it in jail, but it also facilitates the continuity of care when they get out of jail and also focuses on reintegrating these people into the community. Um, but specifically, not just on a state level, I want to talk to the folks at Grand County uh, Sheriff's Office to see how is it that they implement this, implement this program and, and the results that they've seen on a local level, not a, just a state level and, you know, talking about pie in the sky. Well, this is the program and this is what it's going to accomplish. No, what is actually being accomplished? Boots on the ground where the rubber meets the road. And so that's what we want to do is we want to talk to the folks today uh, from the Grand County uh, Sheriff's Office. So without any further ado, let's jump into the interview. All right. Well. Welcome back to the shakedown, everybody. Good to have the folks from the Grand County Sheriff's Office in Hot Sulphur Springs, Colorado here with us. Before we jump into this, though, uh, as I was working on my notes, I do, I just do have one preliminary question that has absolutely nothing to do with that interview today. Are there actually Hot Sulphur Springs in Hot Sulphur Springs, Colorado? There are. Okay, good. I just... Now, yeah. Go ahead. We have like 18 pool hot spring that it's all over kind of our mountainside over yonder <laughs> obviously you don't see where i'm pointing so but like a mile from our uh, office here 
Awesome. I know we didn't discuss this preliminary. I just dropped that in your lap. But as I was looking at my notes, I thought I have to ask that question. That, that but again, that has absolutely nothing to do with our interview today. Uh guys, as I told you in the in the intro, um the state of Colorado has their jail-based behavioral services uh program. And so good to have uh the folks from Grand County here to talk about how that applies on a local level. Uh, I know that. And states across the country, mental health uh, and substance abuse are two ginormous issues in the jail industry, if you will. Uh, a problem that there's there's plenty of problem and very little solution in a lot of cases um, from a practical level. Um, but one of the things that uh, glad to have you guys on with is to talk about, like I said, what that looks like on a boots on the ground level. Before we jump into that, would if you would, though, if each of you would kind of introduce yourselves and, and tell me who tell our listeners who you are so they kind of have an idea who they're listening to. So my name is Cassandra O'Brien, and I'm the pretrial coordinator for Green County Sheriff's Department. Um, I'm kind of in charge of all the JVS stuff for, for the county. Okay. Good morning. I'm Brett Froland. I'm the sheriff here in Green County. So what you're saying is it's always your fault. Is what you're saying. Always my fault. Absolutely. Always. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I have about fifteen thousand bosses, and uh, it's always my fault. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. Good. I'm. I didn't know if they covered that in your new sheriff's orientation when that happened, but if that, it's just in case you missed it. Yeah, that was the important note right there. It is well, good Absolutely. deal. <laughs> well, if you would kind of, and just looking at uh, what the jail-based uh, behavioral services program is, um, you know. Putting people, putting inmates uh, in contact with the the mental health and the substance abuse resources they need to help them um, while they're in jail. Hopefully, continuing that, you know, when they get out of jail, and then uh, again, hopefully, being offering them an opportunity to kind of reintegrate into the community in a positive fashion, rather than everybody's calling about them saying, "Hey, you need to come get this Joker. He's at it again." Um, right. So on, on a local level, what does that look like when you're directly involved with the folks at Grand County? So what we kind of have going on right now is when an individual comes in, um, our program is optional. It's okay. not something that is forced upon individuals. We want people to want to sure. partake in our program. So once they fill out their um, intake packet, we get them hooked up with our in-house provider. Um, her name is Wendy Nadoli, and she is a licensed clinical social worker and a licensed addiction counselor. So she can kind of provide all sorts of different treatment um, from substance use to mental health to trauma. And then we you know, get folks started right away with that. And usually they meet with her on a weekly or biweekly basis. Okay. Um, if psychiatry services are needed, then we do a referral to our um, psychiatrist that we've been working with through MindSprings Health. And again, just kind of work with that individual and their specific needs and what they need to be successful when released. Um, and so we try to continue services with Wendy. Um, if somebody wants to continue when they are released, we will, you know, get that established. Or if they want to meet with a different professional, we'll do referrals. Um, we're getting our medicated assisted treatment 
program up and running. So we have a few different things that specifically help with, again, that mental health and substance use aspect of things. Okay. So, so when you have a, an inmate, they come in, uh, they're filling out that you said that intake uh, information, you're reliant upon them self-reporting for lack of a better term, acknowledging that, Hey, this is a problem for me. Right. Yeah. I, it's, there's sometimes where people are mark zeros and I'm like, I can't provide you services. And until you let me know like what you need help with, because obviously something's something's not right um, Right. somewhere along the way. And we also work with our um, jail staff to identify if they do have an individual who's either not able to fill out a packet or struggling that they can make a direct referral. And that is that trumps all paperwork involved and we get them seen right away. Awesome. That was going to be my next question is that, is there an avenue for your, your medical staff, your correction staff that, you know, they're dealing with this person potentially for years, you know, they see them coming in and out and, and they know with that personal interaction that, this individual has a need and yeah, their answer to every question is, do you have this? Do you have this? No, of course I don't have this. Well, I know they do. So I can say, Hey, you need to talk to them. So that is, that is open. Yep. Um, We work with them closely and at any point in time, if somebody, you know, emails me and says, Hey, we've got this individual who's really needing services. You know, I, I don't need a packet. I just need a consent really to, um, you know, provide services and make that referral over and see Wendy. And so like you have a, let's say you have an inmate that comes in and they, you know, they agree, yes, I need help. They're getting the help. Um, but you know, maybe they're there on a misdemeanor charge or something minor and they're fixing to just rotate right back out again. As far as them receiving continuous care outside the facility, um, how is that, is that funded? Is that part of the state program or is that something they have to have insurance for? Or is it kind of a, a mix match of a bunch of things? Kind of a mix match of a bunch of things. We also work closely with different community providers. So if there, say somebody needs help with filling out Medicaid paperwork, mm-hmm. then we can work with local providers to assist that individual with getting those needs, needs met as well. There's also um, a lot of different resources for free therapy and that kind of stuff. So, okay. um, you know, if somebody is in a situation where, you know, we can't pay for services, they don't have a way to pay for services, then we connect them with community um, members that that can do that. Awesome. Now, um, you know, from the corrections officer perspective, uh, how is how has their response been to the services that are being provided? These inmates are they seeing at a practical? I'm in a housing unit dealing with this inmate every day. Are they seeing some results where there's some there's some improvement? There's some change with these inmates. I mean, I would think I would like to think so because we can have somebody come in that's really heated about something. And when I meet with individuals, because I try to meet with them on a weekly basis as well, um, working on integration and what that plan is going to look like for them to reintegrate into the community. 
And I don't come in with an agenda. And if they just need to have a moment to decompress and vent, you know, that that is a safe place where they can do that. Obviously, if they threaten to harm themselves or somebody else, I do have a duty to warn, which I do. And I let them know. Um, But yeah, jail's jail's not always easy. So there's always going to be ups and downs, um, you know, conflicts with all sorts of issues, I think. And so when they can come in, decompress and leave that situation feeling like I'm not kind of seeing red, I'm not ready to, you know, fight with somebody. Right. Um, then, you know, I, I would think that there was, a, they're seeing, I guess, a, a change or a positive outlook. And I I think from, go ahead. Sorry. I think Aaron that also, you know, her position coming in through JBBS is a little bit different than our detention officers. You know, our sure. detention officers are there to keep law and order within the facility. And so they have a job to do. They have to make sure that people follow rules. Her job is more of a support function. And so I think they look at that a little bit differently. It is She's not in there being the authoritative person, making sure the rules are followed. Different staff do that. Her program is a support program. And so I think you see a little bit of difference and these people are a little more willing to work uh, with her through this program than they maybe are our detention officers. Oh, yeah, sure. Sure. And I think oh, on the fa- a lot of times it comes down to, I ask them, like, is this worth your freedom? Plain and simple. And just mm. kind of putting it in black and white and letting them kind of realize either like this situation seems kind of silly and is this worth my freedom? If I react to the situation, what is going to happen? And I mean, I'm pretty blunt with individuals. We do not candy coat. I do not wrap things up in nice little packages and present it. It's kind of, this is how it is. Some people like it. Some people don't. Um, but I'm here to help individuals and providing kind of that honesty and that information is what I feel like is in their best interest. Sure. And the, the, I guess the, the ultimate question when you talk about programs like this is, are you seeing some results in your interactions with these people? Yes. So I like to call them smoke screen um, programs that look nice, but they don't do much. Um, And (laughs) that that. annoys me more than like most things. Um, I, I want the inmates to have input in this program. I'm not in jail. They are. And so it's not what I need. It's what they need. And so I listen to, you know, what has worked in the past for certain individuals. And I try to make sure that they are heard in a sense where if there's something that would be really important, like MRT books and groups that we try to turn around and, you know, I'll go get trained in whatever I need to. But if that's sure. something somebody found helpful, that's that's what I want to pursue. Awesome. And, I, you know, the me personally, having served as a line officer and then as a jail administrator, you know, when you get that flyer or that email or that brochure about, you know, the latest and greatest is going to change the world. You know, your jail will never be the same again. I'm going to have to sell this to my guys mm-hmm. and they have zero tolerance for nonsense. They're already up to their eyeballs and stuff to do. 
I'm not fixing to add something on that is valueless to them. They're going to want to know, all right, when I'm working my 12 hour shift, how is this going to assist? Or, you know, I'm driving home and I see the same guy walking down the side of the street because he's homeless. And I know great tomorrow he's going to be in the housing unit again, and I'm going to have to deal with him. You know, so how is this going to impact that? So if you're being able to see real life examples of some change happening, that that's fantastic. That is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, through our program, I check in with individuals on a monthly, um, one month release, second month, six months, and then 12 months. Um, okay. Just kind of check in and see how they're doing. Um, we have reports, you know, we help individuals get to larger communities that have resources like shelters, sure. like sober living. Um, I had an individual head to Grand Junction, get into a shelter, um, which led into a sober living facility. And then a year later, he's working at the sober living facility. I have another individual who completed um, JBBS in our jail and then continued to work with our therapist, Wendy. And now he's in his, I think, third week of doing his CAC training. So he can become a substance abuse um, treatment provider. So that's awesome. Again, I think a person has to be willing to change, um, sure. and they have to have that mindset. And me coming in and saying all the right things, or Wendy saying all the right things, is not going to make or break that. Right. And it really has to come kind of from within, and you know, curate that and let them see, you know these choices that you've made that have led you here. So you now have the choice to change things um, and kind of trying to turn around and empower them to yes. realize what they want in life. And the, when you make contact with these folks after they get out, you know, the month, one, two months, et cetera, what kind of feedback are you getting from them? I mean, is it, primarily positive or you know there's some that you can't find they disappear off the face of the earth or you know kind of i guess say kind of percentage wise what would be the, the the positive feedback you're getting i think we are in the 80 80th percentile that responds or is continuing treatment after that's awesome. that one month part yeah so and i contribute that to the relationship that our therapist has with these individuals. Yes. Um, there's a lot of time that they've never received any type of treatment. She is so consistent and she's worked with this population. Again, it's, she's kind of the perfect fit. And again, I, I contribute that to her because she has provided individuals with outstanding treatment, not only mental health, but substance use, that they are able to continue treatment with her. Um, you know, and then she tries to reach out to probation for, you know, if there's funding issues. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, she she wants people to be successful. So we're trying to set people up for success, not lifelong worth of therapy. Right. Right. And it is amazing to me. Uh the facility I worked at, our nurse administrator, uh, Miss Charlotte, she had that she had that ability to to mom them. But you know, the, when when they talked to her, they knew that she cared, and they knew that if they messed up, she was going to fuss at them. And you know, oh, yeah. it it almost became more important to them to keep her happy 
than it did, you know, me or the correctional staff. You know, forget you. I'm I'm talking about Miss Charlotte. I want to make sure Miss Charlotte's happy with <laughs> what's going right. on. Yeah. But they knew she, that she cared. Yeah. And she calls people out on kind of their victim talk and acting because it's we're not playing the victim here. You know, sure. you have to take that power and realize you played a part in your life. You know, you had the actions that led you to this point. And so now you are responsible for changing that. Um, and kind of, again, providing empowerment, support, um, trauma. You know, a lot of, I've never worked with anybody that woke up and was like, I want to be an addict. Usually right. it's, there's a crossroads and it's either I'm going to kill myself or I need to do something to numb the pain. You can come back from addiction. You can't come back from suicide. That's right. So working with that, again, she does an incredible job doing that trauma um, treatment, which I think would be you know, helpful if that was available on kind of a larger scale for all sorts of individuals. Yes. And Sheriff, just uh, from your perspective, uh, first of all, how long have you been the sheriff there in, in Grand County? Um, just finished up eight years, so I'm just starting my ninth year. So, so, so you've so you've been there long enough to know that the nonsense when it comes down the when it comes down the pipeline. So, from your perspective as an experienced sheriff, this program, um, do you have any issue selling this to your constituents uh, when you know, when they ask, "Oh, wait a minute, why are you having this program in your facility?" Do you have any issue selling that to them at all? No, absolutely not. You know, we're a, we're a small rural county. Uh, we receive a lot of support from our commissioners and county managers, um, which is important. You know, um, Cassandra's position is actually grant funded as well and okay. uh, through the funds through the state. And so the benefits that Grand Canyon receives for this are are huge. You know, the fact that we have these people that a lot of us, um, you know, see every day that are being able to get back integrated into our communities. Um, that are able to work, uh, you know, work through, work through some struggles are huge. And I think I think that's the key is that it takes time, it takes effort, and it takes that dedication from the staff. So from Cassandra and her position to the jail staff, to the leadership, it takes everybody being willing to commit. Um, and if you're willing to commit, you see successes come out of that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll tell you the, uh, the, the thing that I enjoy most about these type of conversations is, you know, in, in the law enforcement field and then jail specifically, there is a plethora of things that that's negative, uh, you know, that you, you can get real cynical real fast. You know, the human race stinks. We're all, you know, the world's going to end and there's no there's nothing valuable in the human race, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, we, we end up with a whole generation of Eeyores running around. Uh, but. But when you have something like this that can bring some positivity for the officers to be able to look at it and say, you know what, so-and-so was in here all the time. They come in strung out. We had to wait for them to detox. And then, you know, we had to get them on the right medications. So that's going to take a couple weeks. And then, then finally we can deal with them to see them in town or out and about and go, you know what, that's awesome. That's positive. And, and for the community to see it as well, that, it doesn't all have to be, you know, every time they see a patrol car in the rearview mirror, that it's a negative thing, that there are positive things coming from the law enforcement community. So that that is yeah, awesome. That, 
we always talk to our staff about positive experience prior to negative experience, you know, whether it be in the jail, whether it be on the road, you know, having those positive interactions with somebody before you have to have that negative one, because it usually right. makes that negative one a lot better. Yes, yes, yes. Well, awesome. Well, awesome. Why well, thank uh, you both uh, for being being on the on the uh, show today. And thank you for what it's worth, even though I know we're, you know, not next door neighbors. We're, you know, not even next state neighbors. Uh, but for what it's worth, uh, I appreciate what y'all are doing and the investment that y'all are making. Um, I have no doubt uh, just by seeing uh, your facial expressions and your engagement and your passion for this program uh, lets me know that this is not just, hey, I need some votes, so we're going to do this thing, um, that it is a it's 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 the real deal. It's the real deal for you all. So awesome. uh, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, and guys, I I hope you enjoyed the uh, the conversation. Uh, with these folks. And I hope that uh, this, if nothing else, lets you know there is a way to find some positive through what we do. Uh, so until the next time, guys, as always, stay sharp, stay safe, stay vigilant, and Godspeed.